Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kimley. And each episode of Book Music, we focus on a book about music, or a book written by a musician, or something music-related. And today, we are going to discuss, for this episode, we're going to discuss the golden hits of the Shangri-Las, written by Ada Woolen. And it's a 33 and a third book, which they're usually, well, not usually, they always focus on one album, one author writing about one album. Sort of like what we do, actually, on the show, in a way, because mm. we just focus on one book. Yeah. So we're not 33 and a third, we're like um, <laughs> 78 RPMs per second or something. A little more cartoonish. <laughs> more cartoonish, definitely. cartoonish Mm -hmm. and uh, I have not been exactly obsessed with the Shangri-Las but I have greatly admired the the Shangri-Las for decades Mm. though they're a band a girl group meaning three or four girl singers sometimes four sometimes three and um, they've been around since the early 60s they're from Queens New York and I think they probably have a very strong Queens aesthetic yeah and they're teenagers. They were teenagers at the time. And um, the golden hits of the Shangri-Las is basically, as far as my memory, is more of a compilation than an yeah. album. It's like, it's like a greatest hits album at the time. Yeah, I don't think they had very many. I think they only had two or three albums. I think like Shangri-Las, 65 or something like that. Right. And um, like I have, on vinyl, I have uh, one of the original compilations. I mean, that original print. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's something that was released in the 60s. Comparable to it. Yeah. yeah. And their big hits are, of course, um, Leader of the Pack. Mm-hmm. Um, Remember. Remember Walking, walking in, in the, the Sand. sand. He <laughs> Cried. Out in the Streets. Um, the songs all have a certain type of aesthetic, which is the girls are in love and they're either going to run away from home or their boyfriend's going to die. Yeah, they're or dark. the boyfriend's died. Right. So usually, in a very young age, they're facing incredible crisis, emotional crisis. Mm-hmm. And um, things are going to turn out bad. Absolutely. This is high melodrama here. And in a way, well, not in a way, it is the roots of many, many, many type of uh, artists, music artists and bands. You know, I think even like, argumentatively, I'm just thinking, I just thought of it now, Bruce Springsteen. Mm. I think his roots are in the Shangri-Las. Mm. Of course, mm-hmm. obviously, the New York Dolls. Yeah. Of course, the Dam, because, you know, they started off the New Rose. Right. With, with um, what's the phrase? Um, I just told you. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the uh, the love one. The, um, are you really, I'm oh, really are, in love or whatever. Are, are, you, yeah. are, are you really going out with him? Uh, was that, that the damned one? Or was yeah, that... the damned. Oh, okay. That's how it started off. Uh, yeah, 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 okay. Right. <laughs> so the Shangri-Las are often quoted. Yeah. They're like a postmodern band. They're often quoted, thought of. Yeah, I didn't realize what a big influence they'd been to, like, especially punk music. Mm-hmm. Blondie. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the Blondie song they covered mm-hmm. out in the streets. And yeah, it's kind of amazing. And people like Amy Winehouse and... Yeah. Um, yeah, so they were a huge influence, which I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't know a lot about the Shangri-Las before reading. I mean, I knew the the hit songs. Obviously, I'd heard those millions well, the Shang- of times. But Shangri-Las always, find, I find them fascinating because I find them bigger than their records. Like the, It's the whole 
sort of noir quality they have. Yeah. You know, like I think of like when I think of Shangri-Las, I think of um, like Martin Scorsese's early film work, you mm. know, like Mean Streets, because yeah. he used the music, I believe. But mm. beyond that, the sort of the roots or the melodrama of the Shangri-Las world is really filtered into the early cinema, you know, the 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a strong um, stylistic quality to their music. And after, like, especially after Leader of the Pack, um, a lot of, like, uh, parody songs came afterwards by the detergents, you know, Leader of the Laundromat. Oh, really? Oh, I've never heard (laughs) that. You never heard that one? Oh, it was a huge hit. Was it? (laughs) Huge hit. But everybody knew it was a takeoff on Uh, Leader of the Pack. Right, obviously. So this is, this is this was interesting. Well, this is, I think the Shanghai's are not being funny. They're being very um, serious. Mm-hmm. It's presented in a very serious manner. Right. But then the older generation of that time mm-hmm. took it not seriously. It's just like right. crazy teenage stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, Shanghai's are probably one of the first like teenage angst music groups. Mm. In my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, they're like, like you know, there's like always serious the Be- like the Rolling Stones, the Beatles are always kind of more mature. They're like, you know, they just have, even though their songs are not mature, yeah, there's definitely sort of a young adult thing. But the Shangri Laws are songs, well, not written by teenagers, but it's songs for the teenage market, yeah, you know, it's, it's not for older people, yeah. The pain is that very teenage pain when you're in between being a kid and being an adult. You know, it's like, that's the thing that's so hard about being a teenager is you feel like you're an adult, mm-hmm. but nobody takes you seriously. Yes. And it's just that constant frustration. And that, and I think in a nutshell, is the essence of the yeah. Shangri-Las. Yeah. So it's Mary Weiss and three other young girls, teenagers. Yeah, uh, Be- Betty Weiss and then the two Gans are twins. Yeah, right? so yeah. There's, there's identical twins in the group. Right. Which makes a very interesting visual thing, mm-hmm. and then there, and then Mary Weiss is, who's usually sings lead in most of the songs. She's uh, the blonde hair, the blonde girl, right? hair one. Yeah, uh, her sister is was in. The, she seems to drop in and drop out of yeah. the band, but um, I think all the recordings are with the original four, mm-hmm. uh, except for live. They, they went out as a trio. Mm-hmm. But um, what I find. You know, I'm always fascinated by what's the behind the scenes. Yeah. That's why I like this book, The Golden Hits of the Shangri-Las by mm-hmm. Ada Woolen, is that it, um, well, she's, she has a very s- smart approach to the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And um, and she mentions the, the, the this figure by the name of Shadow Morton. Mm-hmm. His name is George Morton, but his nickname is Shadow because... Ooh, it's much better than George. Well, not only that, that, that's his nickname because he seems to disappear. Yes, I read that somewhere. Yeah, I, was re- I think I was reading about him on Wikipedia, so people could never find him. And Shadow Morton is, a, is one of those guys who's on the fringes of the music business. Mm-hmm. He's almost like a Joe Pesci character, I think. Yeah, uh, it sounds like he started a bit as a scam artist, yeah. and, and somebody finally challenged him to write a song. Je- I think Jeff Berry was a classic songwriter, yeah, yeah. and uh, he said, you know, he, he sort of doubted him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, come back tomorrow and with a song. And he right. said, of course I will. And he never, you know, Shadow Morton never wrote a song in his life. Nor then he came back with the remember. hit. Yeah, <laughs> huge hit. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> it is. Machines, um, like, when you feel a hustler, you know, you have to come up with the goods. At <laughs> some point, you have to have the goods. He probably didn't suspect that he had to come out so quickly. 
But um, Shadow Morton, I find him really interesting because you know throughout my life, I'm always interested in the wizard. Yeah, you're the obsessed with the producers and managers, managers yeah. the Svengali types yes. especially. If I have a record store, I would not put music under the Beatles or Rolling Stones or Elvis. I would put it under Colonel Tom Parker, Brian Epstein, <laughs> and Andrew L. Goldham. <laughs> And Shadow Morton. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, uh, or ma'am. Can you show me the, the Shadow Morton section of the store? <laughs> Do you have, where's the George Martin section? Uh, so Shadow Morton um, is sort of the, I, want, I don't want to say brains, because I think, you know, the Shangri-Las started before Shadow Morton. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, I don't know, I think they were singing doo-wop songs. Right. Or they were singing at proms and but, parties and but stuff. But Shadow... Um, if I can be first name basis with him. Um, <laughs> well, let's get intimate here. Yes, we can do shadow. Um, he gave them a vision. Yeah. And he gave them a sound. And the sound is what makes it unique from all the other girl bands at the time, you know, like the Motown. You know, yeah. Motown was like going crazy then. And, yeah. And the Shirelles. Right, and mostly, all the Phil Spector stuff. And mostly yeah. um, um, all the great um, um, black American Right. Singers, girl groups are mostly all black American yeah. singers. Um, Shangla's like one of the rarities, one of the all white. Well, yeah, she talks about that in the book, and it was mm-hmm. kind of interesting because she said, um, she said because they were white, they could be the quote unquote bad girl group, yet still be acceptable to a wide audience in a way that would be impossible for the Crystals or the Supremes. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's funny because I hadn't even really thought about it, but it's true. The vast majority of the girl groups then were black girl groups and weren't white. It's interesting you brought up the crystals. I love the crystals. Mm-hmm. That's all girl, quote unquote, all girl band. It's, it's basically invention of Phil Spector mm-hmm. and various real uh, building songwriters mm-hmm. who merge into the Shangri-La's world time yeah, to time. Yeah. But the crystals always seem to be like an A production. They're like mm. the, they're like the, the expensive production right shangri-las are like the b-movie version of, right of a crystal because the crystals are, are generally are very kind of like you know the songs he's a rebel mm-hmm. he hit me but it felt like a kiss mm-hmm. these are sort of like maybe not exactly teenage for me like you're 19 and a half 20 years old <laughs> uh-huh. and, and, Shangri- and the shangri-las are sort of the the young bratty sisters yeah, of, yeah. Of, of the crystals yeah though the crystals are black american yeah but um but 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 Shadow Morton and the and the Shangri-La just really emphasize on the melodrama of 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 their image and the songs yeah. and you know it's something that can't last forever because you know once you're an adult it's over with right and that's another thing but though they wrote um, he produced deaf disc or deaf songs right. Yeah, I'd never heard that term before. It was interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, my generation was like when it I was, was a child. It was a sort of genre yeah, yeah, yeah. of death discs. Yeah, tell yeah. Laura I love her. Right, right. Um, uh, even the, the Jan and Dean song. Even the Beach Boys, uh, yeah. Brian Wilson's um, Don't Worry Baby. Uh-huh. That's sort of a, a deaf song, yeah, too. Yeah, so it was a common thing. Dark times. Well, yeah, you know, it's Halcyon interesting. Halcyon days of dark times. I think, I think, I didn't get this from the book. Maybe she did bring this up. But I think the deaf stuff comes from um, perhaps from the atomic bomb fear of the 50s. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think also the celebrity deaths of people like James Dean and uh, Buddy Holly, you know, Eddie mm, Cochran. Yeah, and I those can't people. recall if she mentioned that, but she did. I did pull an interesting quote that she talked about the death stuff. She said, um, 
referring to the the so-called death dish, she said, the erotic significance of death in Golden Hits and its power to destabilize the male presence. Um, And then she says, but death is also able to destabilize the adult world at large. It's a morbid means of preserving innocence from the necessary concessions and sacrifices of post-adolescent life. So... You know, it's kind of that teenage thing of, you know, I hate all adults and that boy sucks, so they can just all die. You know, it's a very teenage yes. perspective. Or it's it's the it's the parents are definitely outsiders, even though mm-hmm. there's signs of the of the uh, the singer loving the parents. Right. It's definitely you know I can't I can't connect to you. Yeah. And they can barely connect to their boyfriends. Right. You know. Um, and. It's, or if they do, they die. They die. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dismal end, no matter what. <laughs> Everything's Joy Division or Velvet Underground. <laughs> yeah, the Shangri Las are a whole new level, a whole new depth of darkness <laughs> and despair. <laughs> Winter time in Queens, yeah. New York, the home of Donald Trump, by the way. Oh. So it's so it's it's. Yeah, it's interesting. I was watching videos of Shangri Laws, and I can hear the Queen's accent. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. another thing I think is interesting because usually in showbiz you hide your yeah, accent. Right. But here I think uh, uh, they themselves they or, almost exaggerate it to yeah, it seems. Or yeah. and Shadow Morton. You know, it's like we're street girls. We're yeah. tough. I mean, I. You know, there seemed to be some conflicting stories as to how real that was about whether yeah. they really came from a super tough neighborhood or how tough they were, but. Um, that was definitely the whole story behind them, the whole appeal to them. And I think that was one of the big differences of them and other girl groups was they didn't wear big fancy gowns or cocktail no. dresses. They were much more everyday girls. You know, they well, weren't I made know th- to be super glamorous. I'm sure, uh, uh, well, I watched today, but I'm sure people who listen to this probably go to YouTube. Yeah. But they're not really dancers either. Right. I mean, they're, they're dancing very... Yeah, there's nothing slick about them <laughs> no. in the way the other girl groups. No. The other girl groups were always super slick. Mm. Their hair was coiffed perfectly, you know, and their gowns were always stunning. There's a budget, and I feel the Shangri-Las have a B-movie budget. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It works. <laughs> For it whatever works. reason, it works. And you got to imagine, no, no matter how dark their songs are, I have to imagine their lives have to be kind of dark too. I mean, just being in the, in the music yeah, business and, and that yeah, young, yeah. you know, and um, and Shadow Morton. I mean, his name Shadow Morton. <laughs> Beware of anybody named Shadow. I mean, would your parents allow you to be in a recording studio with sure, a guy named Shadow Morton? <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen pictures of Shadow Morton. He looks dangerous. <laughs> he looks like a beatnik. Yeah, definitely. Steer clear. Keep your children away from this I, I man. I think he's into free love and, <laughs> <laughs> and giving alcohol to young girls. I think you better girls. be careful, Tosh. We're going to get sued here. <laughs> We're talking about the image. We're talking just images. Yes, not what we actually know. We don't know, because I don't know anything know. about him. But, um, you know, Shadow Morton is a really interesting guy. He, again, like his name, he's a shadowy figure. Yeah. He, in the 60s, he, 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 he produced and I pres- presume arranged Vanilla Fudge, you know. Yeah, he went on to yeah, he went on to quite a lot of other big name bands. Iron Butterfly, In Gata de Vida. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes called In the Garden of Eden, but the singer is so punk rock. It's just In (laughs) Gata de Vida, (laughs) uh, which is like one of the first like fifteen minute Uh (laughs) rock songs. Yeah, yeah. Which Shadow Morton says he was so drunk at the time he has he he has very minimal 
touch on that record. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Huh. But, you know, maybe, maybe it's why it's 15 minutes long. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I think I was reading somewhere online, maybe on his Wikipedia page, that, yeah. Or no, he, I think he said, uh, there was something about he just kept telling the band, oh, wait, I have to stop recording. Just keep going, keep right. going. But he was, <laughs> he was still recording. Right yeah, he went, didn't actually turn off the recorder. I um, hope I'm remembering that story correctly. I think, I think that's, I'll, I'll second that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the um, so, I like the I like the I like uh, Otto Wilden's book. I think uh-huh. it's a really good book. Yeah. it's a good three three and a third book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very thoughtful. Um, it, but um, I did wish that she went more into Shadow Morton. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm bringing his name up a lot. I know. Well, that's your obsession. It is my obsession. <laughs> it's not her obsession. Though. Yeah, clearly. I think her obsession. I mean, is she re- definitely talks about him yeah. and his role in the band, but yeah. she doesn't go into depth of his career. No. Yeah. No. But she does. She talks about the social sociology of 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 um, of that period in time. Yeah, I mean, I thought she did a nice job of getting into the the background of the band. I mean, she talks about, you know, I thought uh, she talked a lot about, you know, why people disparage girl groups a lot, mm-hmm. and that they don't really give a lot of credit to the actual girls. That they mm-hmm. everybody talks about the producers yeah, like and me. the songwriters. Like me. And no, I realized I do too as yeah. I was reading, and I was like, yeah, that's what I think of too. It's like Phil Spector, sort of. I know his name more than I know all the singers and the the girl groups. You know, you know it's the, everything she says is true, yeah. and what we're saying is true. But the bigger truth is, there's a certain ever since the singer songwriters came out in the '60s. Mm-hmm. There, there's always a, a population of listeners who feel that is a true music. Right. And many times when I was working in the record store, where we both worked with Licorice Pizza, yeah. I was getting arguments with people because, like, saying, like, why is Sinatra great or Elvis? He didn't write his own songs. Oh, wow. You never got that? Um, I used to get that quite maybe, often. Occasionally, I don't know. And then when I from the bookstore. It's not a strong memory, but. When nerdy people talk about music, yeah. that would come up once in a while. Right. So, so on that. Thought the yeah. person who thinks that, that yeah. you know Elvis or Frank Sinatra is not a great artist because they don't write their own songs. Yeah, well, of that's course, bullshit. of course, <laughs> they would equally think that any girl group yeah. who didn't write their songs exactly would be obviously in the same category. Yeah, as that. yeah, which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous because it's the voice that brings the song out. And, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. There's so many aspects to this art form. It's not just the songwriter. And, I mean, uh, the producer is important. The musicians yeah. are important. Everyone that plays in it is important. There's a song called Dressed in Black, an early Shangri-La song. And on YouTube, there's actually a Shadow Morton uh, demo. Mm. And it's him basically humming the song. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, But when you heard the Shangri-La's version, of course, it's a, a, you know it's, it's the, the, the fleshed out. Yeah. Work and right. that's what I think the the, the singers bring. That's they bring, what they're bringing. Yeah, to they it. bring into that. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think you know, I suspect that they also add their own lyric content, or if they doesn't feel right the way it's written, mm-hmm. I think it would be changed. You know, mm-hmm. um, for the performance sake, at least. Yeah. And um, well, and they also lend a lot of authenticity to it because they're the actual teenagers. Yeah. You know, they're teenage songs being written by grown men frequently more often than not mm-hmm. and you know so they're the ones who make the song authentic which in 2019 would probably be almost impossible to happen mm-hmm. at least obviously i mean these, these songs were written by older men yeah singing about teenage songs right which was totally accepted 
But I don't think that'd be accepted now. Yeah, I wonder. With contemporary I listeners, I mean, it feels like there are a lot of manufactured singers and bands now, but I don't, I don't follow it enough to know who's uh, doing I, the songwriting and who. I guess it. especially in boy bands and girl bands, yeah. and uh, all yeah. over the world. Yeah. You know, I bet, um, but the Shangri-La's beauty is the way they present their world, and this their teenage world is kind of dreamy. Yeah. Very cinematic. Yeah. And to me, a very beautiful image. You know, and Kenneth Anger mm-hmm. in his early films uh, has used the Shangri-La's music. Ah, uh, makes sense. But the whole early Kenneth Anger aesthetic, mm-hmm. like Scorpio Rising, mm-hmm. is definitely fueled by uh, Shangri-La's aesthetic. Yeah, well, it's such a heightened aesthetic. You yeah. Know? It's this very extreme aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's a big part of what makes them great. And I think there's that S and M quality, not in a physical sense, but there's sense that they have to be tortured and tormented. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's what they bring. That's what they bring to their audience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was interesting. She also talked a lot about you know these sort of ironic hipster covers of the Shangri La songs, and um, mm-hmm. you know how people are sort of making fun of them in a way, like you know they're not really yeah. getting it. They don't get it. They're, they're the ones who really, actually, to me, who really do good is probably New York Dolls are my favorite. And mm-hmm. Shadow Morton yeah. produced the second album. Yeah. Um, and uh, as Johnny Thunders was quoted saying, the first album was produced by an acid head, Todd Rundgren, <laughs> and the second album was produced by a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know the New York Dolls are doomed. Oh, God. <laughs> and the New York Dolls. As well as the Ramones. I say Ramones is another Shangri-La's influence Ooh. aesthetic. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah. where are both are doomed artists, doomed bands. Right. You know, the Dolls pretty much died. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, majority of the members. Mm. And it ended up, sort of ended up okay, but really, you know, sort of tragic yeah. ending. As well as the Ramones, where they all sort of died. Not sort of, they <laughs> he cried. Sort of. He cried. They died. Oh. <laughs> but, but you know that rock and roll lifestyle. You know, I mean, that sort of the rock and roll lifestyle. You know, there's Elvis, there's the Beatles, Stones. You know, the sort of you know, Mel image of you know, Ryan, yeah. Keith Richards. Yeah. But the Shangri Laws have the have this as strong as the image to say like Keith Richards does. Yeah. In the essence of tragedy and drama in the world. Yeah. And people pick up on that, like Ramones, New York Dolls, yeah. and, you know, and, and many other artists, yeah. especially in the punk rock era, yeah. that captures that sort of uh, cinematic uh, despair and disaster, yeah. emotional disaster. Yeah, definitely. Now, I thought, you know what I thought was really funny was, this is, I think, the first 33 and a third book that I've read, and I've read quite a few, but the album is out of print. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, there's tons of compilations. You can find all of these yeah, songs. Yeah, and easily. online, too. But I just thought that was so funny, because she does, at some point, a little bit talk about sort of the song order and stuff, and I'm like, I yeah. can't find this album anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so, I, I don't know why she chose this particular compilation. And on the I album think, cover... Cause I think, my guess is this is probably a classic compilation that was very popular in the 60s. Okay, well... That's my guess as to why she European, chose it. It's European, I think. It's Phillips, according to the, you know, the cover... And I suspect I have no, you know, this. What bothers me about this on the cover, of those three girls. I don't think this is Shangri La's. Really? I don't think so. I could be wrong, but I don't think it is. Well, We're looking at the golden hits of. The I Shangri-Las. looked at the album on Discogs. It's clearly the cover is correct. Cover is correct, but I don't think it's actually a picture of them. I think they're models. Wow. 
That would be that, that would it, be very strange. I'm like a whistleblower here, right? Uh oh, I don't know. Okay, we're gonna have to do a little research after the podcast and check on that. If you know, if anybody watched, and it's definitely and, just the three summits, not the four. Yes, if you anybody listening to this podcast and you prove me wrong, <laughs> uh, keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. Don't post it on Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> But it was an interesting, I read a little bit about Ada Wolin because I was curious who she was mm-hmm. and, you know, where, where her perspective was coming from. And she's very young. Um, she's, I think she just turned 23. Mm-hmm. She wrote the book when she was 21, 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently 33 and a third had a open call for under 22 writers. Oh, really? Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Uh-huh. So that's how she got the, she applied for that. Um but I thought it was an interesting record that she chose. It's not something I would typically think of a young person choosing. No, that's interesting. Yeah, and also, I, when I was reading the book, I didn't get a full, like, um, do you think she appreciates the culture of the Shangri-Las, or do you feel it's a distant thing with her? Or Oh, no, I think she I think she loves it, yeah. Because she talks about hearing it as a child in the car. and She doesn't like the song Here, There, and, wait, no, Today, Tomorrow, What? Oh, past, present, future. Thank you. No, she said she came around to it, I think. Yeah. Because to me, that's like my favorite show. Is it? That's a good one. And did you listen to the Alex Chilton cover I sent I you? I did. Yes, Alex Chilton does a really good cover See, of I also don't understand the Shanger Laws. Well, that's I thought it was an interesting conversation that she had about that because she quoted somebody else who was dissing Alex's virgin, saying that it was ironic. And I'm thinking, this person doesn't know Alex at all. No. He never did ironic covers, no, in my ironic. opinion. No. Never. These were songs he seriously yeah. liked. Yeah, it sort of reminds me, you know, oh, this Pink Laws remind me, I'm like, besides Scorsese, Seven uh. Four. Ah, yes, another sort of dark. The yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's funny. I, I, I think of Sam Fuller movies when I was in the Shangri-Las. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you think there'll be any Shangri-Las songs in the new Scorsese, The Irishman? <laughs> I don't know what time period is the new Scorsese. I think all through the 60s. Is it in the 60s? Yeah. Oh, I bet there'll be some Shangri-Las. <laughs> Good chance, right? There would have to be. Let's I, hope. I think they'd be very disappointed if there's no Shangri-Las. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so the Golden Hits of the Shangri-Las is by Ada, Ada Woolen. Yes. I hope I'm pronouncing her, her name yes, correctly. Yes, I think she's off to a good start, this young young woman yes she is it's a good book it's yeah. a good book i'm glad it's i'm glad three three and third and her picked on the shanger laws yeah i hope there'll be more shanger laws books <laughs> and movies and stuff in the future and what's what's what, what's All in, right. speaking of future what's in our future our future well you know because we're we're dealing in darkness yes <laughs> the next book is going to be this searing light the sun and everything else Joy Division, The Oral History by John Savage. I love John Savage. Yes. So Joy Division. This will be taking us back to the past. I think you and I used to love Joy Division. We haven't listened yes. to them in a long, Joy long time. Joy Division is the 70s Manchester version of the Shangri-Las. There you go. So it's a nice segue. I think it'll work. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. It will work. We'll make it work. For sure. Mm-hmm. And definitely follow us on Facebook. We have a... Facebook page uh, book club where you can come and join us and discuss the books that we're talking about, the music, ask questions, and we have playlists on both Spotify and Apple Music for every episode. So you can and 
And if somebody can definitely tell me the story of the golden hits on the Shangri Laws, if that is actually the Shangri Laws on the cover. Wow. I I have my doubts about it. So if somebody can write on Facebook and Wait, just a little while ago you said don't. <laughs> I'm sort of like You're you're conflicted. I'm like a, I'm like this. You're a, certain, a conflicted man. I'm a, I'm like a certain person in the White House that just like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> The Shangri Laws is all about conflict. <laughs> yes. So, yes. All right. And definitely visit our website. You can find the links to everything on there. It's B O O K M U S I K dot com. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye bye.